0: Okay, great. So we're in John chapter 8 and uh, from verse 31. If you're using a church Bible, I've written it on my hand. We're in page 841 today. It's great to be back up here. Uh, the last time I was up here it was on Mother's Day. I'm starting to feel I've got a bit of a niche ministry going on. <laughs> um, so, on that note, I want to say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are in the house. I'm sure there's been many gifts of socks. Breakfast in bed, handmade cards, chocolates that have been hidden in school bags for ages. If that's you this morning, happy Father's Day. Perhaps some of you have forgotten this morning that it is Father's Day. If that's you, I give you permission to send a quick text. <laughs> I'll let you do that at the beginning of my, uh, of my introduction. I won't let you do it in the sermon. At that point, you just switch the phone off. But as we think about Father's Day, and I said the same thing about Mother's Day, it's, it's quite awkward for some people, isn't it? Because I think we all have a different experience of what a, a biological father is. I think, um, you know, some of us have had a father in our life, or some of us haven't had a father in our life. Some of us have had a, a dad who's always been for them, been there for them, but then some of us haven't had a dad that's always been there for them. Some of us are fathers and, you know, we we have a great relationship with our children, but for some of us, we don't have a great relationship with our children. Some of us have had to take up the mantle of being a father figure in somebody else's life. or Some of us haven't really had the opportunity to do so. I think it's fair to say that some of these days, like Mother's Day and Father's Day, sometimes for some people they can cause more anxieties and worries than they do comfort and peace. But I want to encourage you before we get into the sermon this morning. There is only one Father who can provide us true comfort and peace. And that's our Father who is in heaven. He's the one constant Father. He's always good. He's always loving, always powerful, always available. No matter how the world changes, and believe me, it changes on a daily basis. No matter how many father figures come in and out of our lives. He is, as it says in Hebrews 13, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's time to put your phones away if you haven't sent that Father's Day text. (laughs) So let's begin in in John chapter 8, and we're starting from verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I want to use this verse, verse 31 and verse 32. I want to use these verses to be our sort of like hinge verses today, and I'll get into them in more detail in a second. But first, I want to give you a little bit of context. Here, Jesus is he's in, he's in the temple courts, and he's talking to a group of Jewish, uh, of Jewish people, and they're in the temple courts near the financial area. And this is a continuation of a conversation that Jesus has had with them. He's been teaching them about righteousness, about salvation, about who he is, about who the Father is. And now, this is a fairly large crowd, and they're a pretty rowdy one at that. But despite that, verse 30 from last week's passage, at the beginning of verse 31 says that these have now become believers. This group of people who Jesus was talking to... Are now believers, And it says in verse 31, he's explicitly talking to believers, those who had believed in him. And what we'll soon see is that whilst these believers believed in Jesus' message, they didn't believe in Jesus. And we're going to have a look and see what that distinction is in the sermon today. So Jesus, aware of this, he begins to find what a true follower is. And in these words on Jesus... Uh, in these words of Jesus, that our whole passage hinges on in verses 31 and 32. We're going to use these verses as sort of a a litmus test, if you like, to test against the heart and minds of the Jews that were there, and to test against the heart and the minds of us too this morning. If there's anything that we should take from this morning's sermon, it is these verses. That if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word. In last week's house group, we did a little word study on the word abide. And the thing I love about house group is, not only do we get to come together, pray and talk about scripture, but I could use people in the house group and get ideas for this week's sermon, which is great. <laughs> and we had, a, we had a good time at looking at the word abide. And I just want to give a, Hats off to Phil, sat there very quietly. He came out with some great content. (laughs) He says, To abide means to continue in a place, to be stable, to be fixed in, to conform without objection. To abide in God's word is the sense of settling in and making yourself at home, of allowing God's word to exercise itself through our lives. Jesus says, that if you abide in his word, if you continue in his word, if you are stable in his word, if you are fixed in his word, if you conform to his word without objection, then Jesus recognises you as his disciples. And so LBC, the litmus test begins. Do we abide in the word of God? It's true that as a church, our vision is to make and grow disciples in Jesus, but how do we do this? How do we make disciples? Well, a disciple, Jesus says, is somebody who abides in the Word of God. I was at a garden party the other day, and that sounds a lot more posher than it actually was. I told somebody um, who I just met for the first time, I told them that I go to Lincoln Baptist Church. And we got into a conversation. Uh, they said, Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian too. And so we started having this kind of, it's awkward when you say that you're a Christian, somebody like that, and you're just like, watch, anyway. They said to me, oh, it makes sense that somebody like you who is logical and who's black and white, I'm not black and white, but I've, he's... <laughs> it was a psychologist I was talking to. I felt that they were reading my mind. They said, you're a very black and white kind of person. And I felt they were reading me. I didn't really know what to say. Anyway, they said, you're a logical person who's black and white. It makes sense that you go to a Bible-believing church. I didn't know whether they meant it as a compliment or not. Like I said, I just met this person. And then they said, well, I've read the Bible so many times and I've done that bit. And then they made it sound as if the word of God was something that you just read and then you move on from. But Jesus says in our passage today that if you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples. And I just felt You know, the word of God isn't something that you just read and move on from. It's something that you abide in. It's a continuation. It's something that you remain stable in. It's a daily practice. And my question for us this morning is, are we daily in the word of God? Are we abiding in his word? Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. That you wish the world just knew the truth. That you wish that they knew that there's a loving Father, a Father who loves them, a Father who wants them to come to Him. Jesus says in John 14 and verse 6 I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Not only is Jesus the word of God, but he is truth. Only through him can we know God the Father. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is loving, yes. But he can also be challenging at times. And he challenges us to be better, to be made into the likeness of him. Are we being molded into the likeness of him? Are we abiding in him? Are we making our home in him? Wouldn't you rather abide in truth than live in a world of lies. As we'll see, the, the Jewish crowd didn't want to abide in the truth. Don't forget, at the beginning of this passage, we were told that they believed in Jesus. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? This verse just kind of shows you that the Jews weren't really getting what Jesus was saying. They believed in his original message, but when asked to abide in the word of God, to become his disciples, and if they do that, they will become free and know the truth. They're like, free from what? They say, we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Really? Is that a true statement? Are they living in truth when they say, we have never been enslaved to anyone? I mean, did they read their Bible? their holy scriptures. What about their slavery in Egypt? What about Babylon? In fact, right now, as they even uttered those words, they were under Roman occupation. These are the people of God. These are the people entrusted with the holy scriptures, given the law. Yet they were completely blinded to their history and the fact that they were far from free, both physically and spiritually. You know, it's a good job Jesus didn't give them a history lesson at that point. Instead, he says in verse 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. When Jesus says truly, truly in the Bible, it means that you better listen. Truly, truly translated literally means amen, amen. Nowadays, we say amen at the end of a statement as a way of accepting or agreeing or endorsing what somebody has said. However, as one commentator puts it, he says leading off with Amen not only implies that what follows is true, but also the person who's making the statement has first hand knowledge and authority about it. Truly, truly, Amen, our Amen. Our I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Important word here is practices. Whoever is continuing in sin is a slave to it. Not a, sin, not a sin, habitual sin. To make sense of this verse, let's go back to our verses in verse 31 and 32. They're our litmus test verse for this morning. Jesus says, If you abide in my word, let me ask you, if you're not abiding in the word of God, what do you think your sinful nature will want you to abide in? In sin. If you're not abiding in the word of God, your flesh will find other things to abide in. Practicing sin, or habitual sin, is abiding in things that aren't meant for you. Jesus says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He then goes on to say, the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains in the house forever. This statement might sound pretty complicated, but if we then go back to verse 31... Which is our test verse, which I've said about a billion times. Apologies for that. But this time, I want you to—I'm going to reverse it, and uh, that will make sense when I read it. Verse 31, reverse says, "If you do not abide in my word, you are not my disciples. You will not know the truth, and not knowing the truth will keep you captive. The slave is a captive to sin. They are not abiding in the word of God." They are not disciples, therefore they do not know the truth, and they cannot be freed. They are captives. They may have heard the message of Jesus and started to believe in him. They may have believed in the message of of redemption and salvation, but now they've fallen away. The slave does not remain in the house forever. I think we all know this person. We all know but know somebody who heard the word of God, who expressed belief, and then they fell away. They are like in the parable of the sower, the seed that was scattered on the path. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the slave. But the son, the son remains in the house forever. The son abides in the word of God. They are disciples. They know the truth and they've been set free. They are like the seed that fill, falls on good soil. Someone who hears the word of God and who understands it. The son remains in the house forever. And then verse 36. So if the son sets you free, we will be free indeed. Pretty tough words, some of these things. I kind of like feel that it's a, it's, it's a bit heavy this morning. I apologise for that. Um, When I was asked to preach on this passage, uh, I was like, oh man, this is the first time Jesus really has a go at people. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Only Jesus can set us free. Nothing or nobody else can set you free. You can't free yourself. There is nothing that we can do to be free from sins apart from believing in Jesus Christ. If the Son sets you free... Notice that sun there, it's got a capital S on it. That's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If he sets you free, you are free indeed. And I just want to praise God for that. Because I know if it was down to me, there is no way, no chance, I'd be able to free myself from my sins. I used to hate God and I used to love sin. Now I love God and I hate sin. You know, we can't escape the, the hard truth within this message. If you're continuing and abiding in sin, then you are not free. And you cannot be free and be a slave at the same time. If this is you this morning, then you must admit it. You must own the sin. And you must bring it to God. John, the writer of this gospel, writes in, uh, in, John, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10, to 10, he says... This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, this is the important part. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. If we are in denial of our sin, then we must then we have deceived ourselves. We must walk in the light. We must abide in his word. John says that we must repent and turn to Jesus. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive us our sins. Isn't that amazing? He will forgive us our sins. And will pur- purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus goes on. He addresses the crowds in verse Verse 37. He says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. That's exactly what we just read, isn't it? We read that if we claim we do not have sin, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. That's exactly what the Jewish crowds were doing right now. They've heard the truth from Jesus and in response they claim that Jesus is a liar. They say that they're from Abraham and that through through Abraham's bloodline that they are made righteous. And yet, they would gladly break the sixth commandment of their law by murdering Jesus and bearing false testimony about him as well. I'm not sure what, what, which, uh, part, which uh, commandment that was. No, it's not the sixth one. sixth is murder. In verse 38, Jesus responds, I speak of what I have seen with my Father, and you do what you have heard, from your father. You know, when Jesus speaks, Jesus speaks truth. When he speaks, he does so as somebody who has been sent from heaven. He says, I speak of what I have seen with my father. And I just want you to think about that. Think about what Jesus has seen with his father. John 1 :1 says that he was at the beginning and he was with God the father. He spoke and created the universe, the stars, The planets, the earth, everything that's in the earth. Jesus has come from heaven, but you, he says to the Jewish crowd, you do what you have heard from your father. Who is their father? Well, we've had it read out to us, and I, you know, I won't spoil it for you. You know who it is. We'll get onto that in a second. But in verse thirty-nine, they answer him, Abraham is our father. Again, they go back to Abraham. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. If you went through the uh, Genesis series with us last year, and actually, as I look out at people, there's, there's a lot of people who weren't with us last year. So praise God for that. But if you were with us in our Genesis series last year, you would know that Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham's works were always done in faith. He was always, or nearly always, it was a couple of times, always obedient to God's word. And Jesus says, if you're Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that your father did, the works of Abraham. That is to say that if they were the same as Abraham, they would be obeying God's word in faith. However, instead of obeying the word of God, they're seeking to kill the word of God who is in in flesh. The The word incarnate, Jesus Christ. This is not what Abraham did. In faith, Abraham was willing to kill his son, sacrifice his son, because he believed in the promises of God, that God would send a replacement. Abraham was a man of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, defines faith as confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I was asked, When I was a a new Christian, Um, somebody said to me, what what is the opposite to faith? And I said, uh, oh, the the opposite to faith. And I thought about it for a while and I thought, surely the opposite to faith is unbelief. They said, no, the opposite to faith is sight. And it took me a while to try and figure that one out. And I'll let it rest with you for a while. But I think it's backed up in this verse in, in Hebrews that I've just read out. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Abraham didn't live by human sight. He lived by faith. There's a lot that we could go into there about faith. But I would definitely recommend you to read Hebrews chapter 11. Um, it's It's the chapter of faith. And as Pastor Daniel said, some of you might be missing him this morning. Apologies for that. As Daniel said, Hebrews is better than watching Coronation Street. So give give Hebrews a read later on. Abide in the word of God. Verse 31. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And you can tell that the crowd are on the back foot a little bit here. They come back at Jesus with a cheap shot. They say, we are not born of sexual immorality. Here many commentators believe the crowds are referring to Jesus' mother, Mary, they're effectively saying, we know about you, Jesus. You're the one who's been born out of wedlock. We're not the illegitimate children. You are. We're not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. And instead of biting back and getting into a a mudslinging contest, Jesus ignores the jive and he addresses their claims that they have one Father, who they believe to be God, Jesus says to them in verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear my word. Let's just test that again against the verses that I spoke about at the beginning of the chapter. If you abide in my word, they're clearly not abiding in his word. You are truly my disciples. for they're not listening to a single word that Jesus is saying. And you will know the truth. They've already told multiple lies. And the truth will set you free. You can see they're not free. They're in bondage to sin. They're stubborn. And I kind of feel sad for the Jews here. They're so sure that they are of God and that they couldn't be further from the truth. They couldn't stand the word of God. They were so captive to the lies of the enemy and in bondage to sin... And this is the human condition. The word cannot the world, sorry, cannot bear to hear the Word of God. They cannot love God the Father. I wonder how many people claim to believe in the message of Jesus, who believe in His teachings and yet fail to believe in Him. And here comes the, the ultimate smackdown verse from, from uh, Jesus in verse 44. He says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him, when he lies he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. I mean, they're pretty strong and shocking words. If anybody tells you that Jesus was always a mild and gentle soul, just get them to read this verse. I believe these are some of the most condemning words that Jesus ever spoke. They are to me anyway. And notice who he's reserved them for. He's reserved them for the religious elite. Those who are hanging around the temple courts. Not those who are hanging around in taverns and brothels. No, Jesus eats with those people. The tax collectors, the prostitutes, the drunkards. To them, Jesus is almost gentle, he says. Go and sin no more. But to these hypocritical elitists, he pulls no punches. He says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. If anybody is in doubt as to whether the devil is real, or whether Jesus thought the devil was real, need only read these words. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. And we can go back to that time in Genesis, can't we? It was Satan who brought physical and spiritual death to mankind. Remember in Genesis, he's disguised as a serpent. He approaches Eve and he says to her, did God really say you shouldn't eat from that fruit? Eve replies, oh yeah, he did. He said, I I could eat of any fruit except for this one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, if you do eat from that, you will not surely die. He just doesn't want you to be like him. If you eat that fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. But he is a liar. He is the father of lies. I want you to take note of that. The title, The Father of Lies. In the Bible, if somebody is the father of something, it means that they are the source of it. If you want to know where evil comes from, if you want to know where lies come from, go to the source. It's the devil. The devil is the one who introduced sin into this world and now the whole world is infected with it. You know, the devil is the complete opposite to Christ. He's the Antichrist. Instead of truth, lies. Instead of light, darkness. Instead of life, death. There is nothing more than the devil wants than for each one of us to die. He doesn't care about us. He wants to drag us away from God and spend eternity in hell with him. But there's a but. And that's what I love about the gospel. There is a but. And the but is that knowing this, God sent his only son so that we may be saved. He sent Jesus to die on a cross for us, to die for your sins, to die for my sins. His blood has paid the price, and through his resurrection, he has broken the power of sin and death. It's amazing. (laughs) Those who believe in him, who put their faith in him, they can live forever in heaven with God as children of God. And this is what we want to hear on Father's Day, isn't it? That we're children of a loving Father, a Father who so loved us that he sent his only Son to die for us so that we can become children of God. We don't need to fear death anymore. Jesus has turned physical death into a spiritual life for those who believe in him. Spiritual life, eternal life, life with him in heaven. Praise be to God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says in verse 47, Whoever is of God hears the word of God. But to these Jews he says, The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. LBC, let's just thank God that we can belong to him. This morning, I want the Holy Spirit to rest with us. At the end of this service, when we come to praise him, I want us to make a joyful noise. And I want you to pray for those who don't know their true father. Because there are people who do not know that, they do not belo- that if they do not belong to God, they belong to Satan. Pray for their eyes to be opened. Pray that they hear the word of God. Pray that the Holy Spirit opens their hearts to receive the word. Abide in them. Pray that, that these people would become disciples of Jesus. Pray that they would know the truth and the truth would set them free. The Jews answered him in verse 48. We are, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? You know, I can't get over the stubbornness of their hearts. I just want them to have believed in Jesus. Instead of healing Jesus' word, they go back to mudslinging. How many times have we experienced this as Christians? Loved ones, the family friend, the work colleague, the neighbour. Sometimes it feels that their stubbornness, and don't get me wrong, I, I was stubborn for 30 odd years. feels like their stubbornness knows no bounds. And yet, we can look to Jesus in this passage. Verse 49, Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honour my father, and you dishonour me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. We can learn a valuable lesson here. Instead of getting into petty arguments, instead of getting drawn into insults with our loved ones, we simply put the case in the father's hands. I honour my Father, you dishonour me, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. God will do the judging. God will vindicate you. All you need to do is abide in his word, know the truth, and there is freedom in that. There's freedom in knowing that. Verse 51, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Well, here Jesus is saying, free from death. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. I mean, this just blows my mind sometimes. Abide in the word of God. You are a disciple. You will know the truth. You will be set free, and you will be set free from death. If you don't abide in the word, you will not be his disciple. You will not ever be free, and you will never see life. You will see death. You know, reading God's word can sometimes be difficult. You know, sometimes there's so many worldly things to do, so many places to be, so many things to eat and see and taste. And, but trust me, abiding in the word of life is is It's joy. It could be difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to read a reading plan. I get that. If this is you, if you're struggling with the word of God, then go to God. Pray to him. Ask him. Ask him to show you. Ask him to teach you through his Holy Spirit. He won't let you down. Verse 52 says The Jew said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our Father Abraham, who died, and the prophets, who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Again, instead of getting drawn into an argument about demons and name-calling Jesus, puts the case in the hands of God the Father. He says in verse 54, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say to you that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. You know, I just don't understand how God could be so patient with people. I could feel him laboring on. I know him. I have been with him. He says to them, I know the person who you call Father. I know him. I've literally been with him. And if I were to say that I don't know him, then I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. And I think that's a beautiful picture that, that Jesus keeps the word of God the Father and he asks us to keep the word of, of, of God the Father too, to abide in him. Just as Jesus abides in the Father, we are to abide in Jesus and in the word of God. In verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced when he would see me see my day. He saw it and he was glad. I've written a whole load about this. I would encourage you just to go to Genesis chapter 12 and from verse 3 where we see the promises that God gives to Abraham after that you might want to then go to Galatians chapter 3 and read about the promises that God gave to Abraham that's Paul's teaching on it and then after you've done that I've also done a sermon on it as well online uh, on YouTube so look at that and yeah subscribe and like I don't want to bore you with all that stuff. I'm going to move on from that, but it's, 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 you need to understand the promises that God gave to Abraham. So the Jew said to him, You are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? You're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And I want you to listen to Jesus' statement here. And this is the kicker, this is the statements of all statements. And I applaud you, Mark, on the way that you read this. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. This is the divine title that everyone knew belonged to Yahweh alone. It's a title that God uses in Exodus, chapter 3 and verse 14, where God meets Moses at the burning bush. Moses uh, asks God, What is your name? And God explains to Moses, I am who I am. That's my name. I am who I am. There's no clearer way that Jesus could have said to the, the crowds here, I am Jehovah God. The crowds knew the implication of what Jesus is saying when he's saying this. Because in verse 49, 59, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. At this point, they'd had enough of what Jesus had to say. They actually tried to kill him, but they couldn't because he just walked out of the temple. It wasn't his time to die. So what can we make of this I am statement, of Jesus revealing himself to be I am, Jehovah God? Well, I'm just going to read this brilliant observation by C.S. Lewis. I'm sure some of you may have heard this one before, but I love it, so I'm going to read it out. It's from his book, Mere Christianity. He says... I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. Some people say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I do not accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. you can spit at him, you can kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his fe- feet and call him Lord and God. But let, not, let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus is the great I Am. He is, along with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead. And what do we do with this message The Jews in our passage today, they they began as believers. They believed in what Jesus said. And yet, they ended up not believing in him. What are we going to do with Jesus? Are we ready to accept his word? Are we ready to accept the fact that he is the great I am? Are we going to listen to that word? Are we going to abide in that word? Are we going to become disciples of Jesus Christ? Many of us are disciples this morning. I'm not not trying to beat you all up with scripture. (laughs) I understand you. We must abide in his word. We must know the truth and the truth will set us free. Shall we just pray? (coughs) Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can come to you in prayer. You are our father. You are listening to us right now because you love us because you chose us out of this world and saved us from sin and death. Lord, we pray for those who do not know you as their father. We pray for those who are unable to hear your word or accept who you are. We pray that you would open the eyes of their hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that they would see the light. They would know the truth. They would become free from the power of sin and death. Thank you, Lord, that you, you came to die for our sins. That we do not have to do this alone. We thank you that we can trust in you. Because you are our God. You are Jehovah. You are the great I Am. We worship and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.